0: I say this about nesting, that I feel it actually made us get along better, as opposed to if we'd done a traditional approach of just dropping the kids off in
1: the driveway or something. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 404. Today, we're talking about nesting after divorce with Beth Berent. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast, friend. I am so glad you're here as always. And listen, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe so you don't miss any. And this is so important. If you get some value from the podcast, please, please go over to Apple Podcasts. Do me a favor. Leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more and it takes, you know, like 30 seconds. I hugely, hugely appreciate it. Beth Barrent is a freelance writer and divorced mother of three. She's written articles about nesting for the New York Times and Psychology today and she's a regular contributor to Divorce magazine and she talks her book is nesting. And this is such a cool idea. I really wanted to showcase it on the podcast because when a couple separates, right? It's usually the kids whose lives are disturbed the most, right? They're being shuttled from house to house. They have to go to separate houses. So what if? Instead of that, the kids stayed in their family home and the parents moved back and forth. So this is called nesting, and it's exactly what I am going to talk about with Beth and how she did this when she was divorced in her book. So this is an awesome episode for you if you're separating or separated or if you know some friends who are separating or separated Please share it with them, this um, fascinating way to do it. It's really so interesting. So anyway, I know you will get a lot out of it. So please join me at the table as I talk to Beth Berendt. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to... Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over. You're losing it and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent. You don't have a cohesive method and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, Beth. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So I love the concept of what you're doing, and we're going to dive into it. But I just love to hear. This came from your own experience, right? Uh, the the con- the book Nesting After Divorce. This came from your own experience, didn't it? And I was wondering if you could kind of just take us right in to your story and and what happened with you. Sure, sure. Um,
0: my X and I decided to divorce uh, after we have been married about 18 years and we had three children who um, were 12, 9, and 4 at the time. And so we worked on our marriage quite a lot, but it wasn't getting better. And it, it was really just clear that we needed to break because it was affecting our parenting, um, I felt. And so... We, of course, were very worried about what divorce would do to the kids. And there's not a lot of, you know, positive information about there, out there about divorce being um, a good thing for kids. And so, yeah, it's like one of the aces, right? Ex- exactly. Yes, exactly. Which I just recently heard. And that really um, surprised me that still after all these years, because I think there has been some change in our society to be more positive about divorce. I
1: know. I think that too. Uh, for for the listener, just so you know, and I just realized I said that without defining it. Well, I'm sure a bunch of you know what it is, but like it's adverse childhood experiences is are the Aces, and so divorce is defined as as one of those. So, yeah.
0: So like traumatic things that happen in childhood that can affect people the rest of their lives. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research. I was a librarian before I started doing freelance writing, and so I you know, research everything and. um was trying to find anything about divorce and how to help kids. And I ran across the mention of nesting in a book called, it doesn't have to be that way that Laura Wasser wrote about divorce. And I had never even heard of it, had no familiarity with the concept at all. But as soon as I read that idea of the kids staying in the family home and the parents being the ones who move in and out to parent them, it just felt so, right like was just kind of a ray of hope of we don't have to completely blow up their lives and fortunately as soon as i brought it up to bill my husband at the time now my ex um he thought it was a good idea too and you know really felt that the divorce was not the kids fault and whatever we could do to mitigate negative effects on them would be great and so we decided to give it a shot and as i said at the time there was really no information about how to do nesting and so we really just figured it out and I kept thinking boy you know I wish there was some information about how to do this I don't know if I'm doing it right or am I making it too hard and what am I forgetting and so as we rolled along I started writing some articles and blog posts about my experience and then um, fortunately was given the opportunity to write a book and hopefully help other parents figure out if it's something that would work for their families as well.
1: Yeah. So, Beth, you had as as much information about when nesting is as as like me and the listener have right now, basically. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, OK. So the kids stay in the house. The parents leave. I mean, that, it sounds really cool because, I mean, that's a big problem for kids in a divorce, right? Is like, I mean, I see, you know, I see like kids in my bus stop, you know, like, remember to take your jacket because you don't need it now, but you're going to need a, a dad's house, right? Like they're bringing stuff back and forth. You have to Imagine there's a lot of like a bunch of logistical challenges. So you talked about it with your husband and or ex husband. what you know how how long did you guys nest? We are still nesting, and so
0: it's been eight years. We um have <laughs> we're still in the wow. I'm in the family home right now. Um, and he's upstairs working because <laughs> we just oh wow. Have kind of a crazy schedule right now. So we used to have a very set schedule where we weren't in the house at the same time, but. Over the years, and particularly with COVID kind of affecting our jobs and entire life, we've ended up spending a lot more time in our separate spaces in the home. Um, but we have the three children and the oldest is now a senior in college. The middle is a senior in high school. So he'll be going off to college in next year. And then the youngest is in eighth grade. So barring um, unforeseen circumstances, we intend to nest you know, through his high school years. That was not our intention when we first started this. I think we thought it was just sort of something we do for, you know, maybe a year or two, kind of ease the kids into this new lifestyle. But um, it just was so great for them and um, difficult for us. Yes, as you said, logistical challenges. But frankly, I'd rather deal with just my own challenges than try and manage three kids and their stuff going back between two households and Plus the stress of, you know, their lives just being uprooted one time a week or twice a week or whatever it might be. And so um, we just found it so beneficial that we've kept going
1: with it. That's amazing. I had expected just a couple years, too. So, OK, so let's talk about like the normal traditional divorce and how that affects children. So what are some of the things that happen typically when the kids are moving from house to house and, and how does it affect them? Yeah, I think that it's it's just a stress
0: um to keep track of their stuff between two places. As you mentioned, you know, jackets and instruments and um sporting equipment, you know, to have to remember which needs to be at which place. And of the divorced parents I know who lived on the traditional model, it's also very stressful for the parents because they're getting calls from school, you know, I forgot my tennis racket and you have to drive to the other parents and you're annoyed with the other parent that they didn't have it prepared and there's just um a lot of kind of, I think, underlying stress, this kind of constant, you know, where are things? And then I, I think that the kids, too, at least I saw with my kids that it was so great that their friends knew they were here all the time. You know, their friends didn't have to keep track of, oh, are you at your dad's, or your mom's, you know, where should we pick you up to go to the play date or whatever? like, they were just here and it didn't really matter whether it was my night or Bill's night, you know, they could just have their their plans with their friends and um and then i guess besides just sort of the stress and the hassle i think there's just a psychological comfort to being you know when you're especially when you're a kid and you know middle school's hard and divorce is head and yeah you're just in your same room your same stuff there's no you know oh i left my favorite toy at the other house or i don't have my favorite outfit that i wanted to wear today to the thing at school and so um, it may all sound kind of little, but I think it really, from my, what I saw, I think it really added up to just a steadiness in their lives that even though things were changing between their dad and me in terms of married, their day-to-day lives and the parenting they were receiving was very consistent.
1: That's so cool. I can't believe you did for so long. That's so neat. And, and now your kids are they are, they're older, right? They're, you know, out of the house. So, I mean, we're kind of jumping to the punchline, but I think it was really fair to say, like, like they've probably talked to you about this as adult, young adult people. What have they said about how their experience? Yeah, I think um,
0: as all parents know, it's not like they're going to come and say,
1: thanks, mom and dad. That was great. (laughs) Mother, thank you. I am so grounded and fulfilled because of everything you did.
0: Right. So it's more just the, um, I guess in a way, like I kind of look for the not complaints, the not stress. Um, when our oldest comes home from college, you know, he just expects that we're going to have a family dinner together. You know, what, what night are we doing steak night? And there's, that's just what he expects is that we're all going to be together as a family. The dad and I will share responsibilities for, you know, whatever he's trying to take care of. So, um, but kind of a funny story, again, along the lines of the kids not really probably appreciating what parents do for them, is that my middle son, applying to colleges, was writing his essays for colleges, and um, and he's, to- of course, totally fine to do that on his own, but because I'm a writer, a librarian, I feel like I need to, you know, make some comments about what I think he should be doing. And um, I said, you know, I was thinking, because you're so into history and creativity and you know, kind of taking the unusual path to get to things. And I thought it was really kind of like our nesting arrangement has been, you know, for your growing up in this environment. And um, he just looked at me and he said, Mom, I don't think you realize how little your divorce has affected me. Like, not at all.
1: I think you were like, yes, that's the best thing you could have said to me.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, well, at first I was like, well, hey, (laughs) I thought I had a good idea, but um, but I guess what you said is actually pretty rewarding to me as well. So.
1: That's a huge compliment. I mean, right? You turned it from an adverse childhood thing to like something that has so little effect that
0: you just don't even realize. right. I can't even yeah be bothered to think about it. So I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. Is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Let's dive into how you do this. So we know why the kids get more grounded. They can be You know just really you know stable etc so how how do we do it like if we have a listener who is approaching divorce or you know whatever what is step one for for kind of making this this situation happen if they they're sounding like it sounds really good
0: yeah well I'll just um I will put in a little plug for my book because one of the things I enjoyed about only telling my own story is that I interviewed five other families from different parts of the country who um are nesting as well and some you know are just a couple years into it and some are much further Mm -hmm. along and um and so i hope that um if people can look at the book they'll see that there are a variety of ways to approach it but i think a really common place to start is just if you and your ex can agree you want to work together to make this happen because even though you're getting divorced um you still, you know, are going to need to work on things together and which really is the case for anybody getting divorced and parenting. You know, it doesn't have to be nesting. That's just part of being a parent. Um, but you you need to be able to agree with each other, you know, that you're both going to give it a shot to figure figure out if you can do it. And then the second thing you need to think about is, you know, what your arrangements might be outside of the nest. And a lot of nesters, this surprised me a little bit, although... It definitely was a factor for us. Um, a lot of people are drawn to it because it's actually cheaper than setting up two separate homes with all the stuff you need to support yeah, multiple children every day. And so what most nesters tend to do is you know, keep the family home and then a lot of people will rent a separate apartment that they share. They're not actually in it at the same time. They move in and out of the space when they are... Um, not in the house parenting, but also um, they do things like live with family members or, you know, perhaps somebody is in a new relationship, they'll live with a new person when they're not parenting. And it's the focus is just to keep the kids, you know, as stable as possible. Um, so those are kind of the two big things you needed to sort of figure out right away before you get into more of the minutiae of how are you going to make it work.
1: Yeah. 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 Can we do this? And then where will we live when we're not? And I mean, imagine that has its a lot of its own challenges. If you're if you're sharing an apartment with your ex, you know, it's like if it's one bedroom apartment. Are you like sleeping in the same bed on off nights, you know, and that kind of thing. And and some people do that.
0: Yeah. And we did. We actually did that for a little while, um, especially when we weren't sure if we were going to stick with nesting. Um, But over time, then we switched to two separate places um, for each of ourselves. And Bill is actually recently
1: remarried. So he
0: goes to his wife's home when he's not in the nest. I
1: was going to say, I mean, I guess this could also be a way for people to live in further places. You know, I mean, I guess you're going to stay somewhat within a reasonable traveling distance, you know, to stay near your kids if you're getting divorced. But. I guess, you know, if depending on what your means are, you know, it could be a short flight away, even if like one person can, you know, wants to have an apartment, you know, that kind of things. I mean, I guess it, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I have heard of that. And, you know, then kind of your
0: your next part of figuring out the situation is figuring a schedule. And so certainly, you know, if you're not switching out every two days or something, you could have a further um, distance from the home. Um and people do all sorts of different schedules. We did sort of a week, week on, week off, for a number of years. Uh, we got much more flexible as time went by. But some people, especially with younger kids, seem to do even like a day off, a day in, just so they're not away very long from the kids. And then obviously, you'd be living quite close to do something like that. Um, the thing is, I think just to not fall into the automatic response the divorce means. Yeah, you know, we have to do things a certain way. It, it doesn't. <laughs> you can be creative and there are plenty of mediators and attorneys who want to be um, conciliatory and helpful and um, help you get to a place that's best for your kids. And so this old model of just hating each other another, you know, definitely s- separating everything, two separate houses, not interacting, it doesn't have to be like that necessarily.
1: Hopefully not. I know. I think that I think it is very helpful these days. I mean, I'm not divorced, but, but, you know, I have friends who are. And in some ways, like seems pretty nice in a lot of ways. Like she when she's with her, my friend is with her kids like for four days. And then by the time they're kind of driving her crazy, they go to dad's and then she gets time to herself. And then she misses them after three you know, like four days and then they're back. And so what our conversations have been like is that she feels really present with them when they're there because she has all this other time to fill her cup, to be herself, to do the things she wants to do and live her life. And then also really be present with her kids, you know, in a way that um, sometimes when we're with our kids all the time, it can be so overwhelming, especially when they're little, you know, depending on how old they are. Right. Like and, um, you know, especially You know, if you are at the point of considering divorce, I was finding that the
0: problems of our marriage were taking so much of my energy. But once that was kind of not what I had to give daily attention to, I could be such a more present mom. And I enjoyed my time with the kids so much more because there just wasn't the underlying tension. You know, it was just me and them. um, And I think that it also really helped their dad connect with them as well. And it kind of gave him the opportunity to step in on daily stuff that I used to always take care of and, um, you know, become much more engaged that way. And neither of us had the distraction of the problems in our marriage. We just were, we were with them, focused on parenting them.
1: That's cool. Okay. So how did you tell your kids about it? What's a, a good way to talk to your kids about these things? I mean, I imagine they're feeling some of the problems anyway. How does that go down?
0: Yeah, we The agreed beforehand that we would tell them together and they knew I had been staying sometimes at my parents as we were kind of figuring out nesting. And and so they were a little familiar with, you know, they knew that I was going away a couple of nights a week and, you know, that we were just they knew we were working on some stuff. But really, the the oldest was 12. He's probably the only one who kind of understood that there were problems um but we sat all three of them down together and told them you know that we had as they knew we'd been working on some you know issues as married people but that we still you know of course loved being their parents and that we decided we were going to end the marriage part but get divorced and um and immediately when they heard that word the oldest particularly started to cry um then the other two you know, I think because their older brother was crying, they were crying. And, um, and then, um, but I was able to say right away, like, but you know what, you are staying here in the house. Like there's nothing really is changing for you. And just the look on his face of like, what? Because what they knew was divorce meant, you know, you're out of your house, you're going back and forth. And because they had friends who lived that life. And, and so they kind of immediately like pulled themselves together. Like, what, what do you mean? You know? And so it's going to be just like, when dad has traveled for work in the past and mom parents without him, you know, and then sometimes mom goes to see friends or has been staying at Grammy and Papa's and and dad parents fine, you know, without her, you guys will just stay here and we'll take turns coming in and out. And that was kind of how that first conversation went until we could give them, you know, more specifics about the schedule and things like that. Um, so I think in my book, I talk about advice I got from different therapists about how to talk about divorce to different ages. Um, I don't exactly regret the way we did it but I think what I learned you know over the years and then from talking to people for this book is that I perhaps should have had separate conversations with each of them because of their different ages I think it was good to tell them all together so they were all on the same page and knew that each other knew but you know the youngest was five and so he wasn't understanding the same way the 12 year old was and um And he did over time, but I I think I should have had more frequent conversations with him on sort of a different level. Um, So that's my advice to people now is to have more conversations than you probably think you you think you should.
1: Yeah. Kind of talk it, talk it out. I mean, remind them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably everyone's biggest fear is their kids, right? Like you you may be ready to end this relationship, but you want to keep it helpful for the kids stay tuned for more mindful mama podcasts
2: right after this break no one told us the truth about parenthood why this is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here there is a lot to unpack I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster
3: You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: All right. So you tell the kids, you figure it out in your book, which is so, so helpful. If you are considering this, dear listener, I really recommend Beth's book, Nesting After Divorce. It's really like clear, very unintimidating, really helpful. You talk about you want to establish some ground rules. What are some ground rules that people are going to even think about or want or need?
0: Yeah, I think what I hear people or what people ask me a lot was what about when the other person starts dating. And so um, so a lot of the ground rules kind of have more to do with each um, ex-spouse as opposed to, you know, rules for the kids, because the household kind of stays the same, the rules for the kids of the household. But, um, but then we had to talk about, you know, well, we are dating and, you know, especially early on, weren't comfortable with kids being introduced to other adults until it was a serious relationship and so a lot of nesters put in rules like that like you can date when you're not in the nest but in the nest in the house no other you know no romantic partners come into that space especially early on i've heard some people saying like okay for the first year no romantic partners come in and then we'll talk about it after that and and that was kind of what bill and i did um probably close to two years after our divorce. I felt that the person I was seeing was important enough to me that I wanted him to meet the kids and wanted the kids to meet him as well. Um, I didn't want him to come live in the house or anything, but I just wanted him to be able to have dinner with them or go see a movie together or something. And so Bill and I had a conversation about that. And then we decided also to speak to the therapist that I was continuing to see to sort of get her input about how to talk to the kids about that. You know, so we, we did a lot of Thinking and talking before bringing new um, people and or new arrangements into um, into the kids' lives, and I think that that kind of slow approach is uh, really for the best for everyone. You know, um, I'm happy that we did it that way.
1: I mean, I imagine it's this way with traditional divorce too. But like, there's a lot of dialogue that has to happen here, right? When were you and your ex like? hashing all this out like did you have a regular time where you met and you know did you have family meetings like what did you do to like bridge these communication you know gaps that would be there because you're not in the same place at the same time right
0: yeah and that's kind of part of the ground rules too that I suggest people set up is establishing a regular time for communicating preferably you know when the kids aren't there Bill and I found it helpful at first especially when we were still hashing out divorce stuff, which can get you know stressful and contentious that we actually wouldn't even meet in the home. We'd go to a coffee shop, like a neutral place, you know, while the kids were at school and have our meetings there. Um, we didn't have to do that you know, forever, but we did it for a few months to just kind of take a break from all the, all the things <laughs> and just focus on, you know, what we needed to talk about related to the kids and the nesting situation and the financial aspects of that. And, um, and so we had sort of a weekly meeting set up. We had um this is kind of goopy, but we had the you know set place on the kitchen counter where we would leave a note for each other because early on we really didn't hang out in the house together. You know, I would he'd walk in and I'd say bye, kid, you know, hugs to the kids and walk out. And so we weren't staying together and talking. Um over time it became, you know, he would show up and then we'd just talk about what was going on. But it took us a while to get there because divorce is hard. <laughs> but, but we had, you know, place where you rode down and we had you know, kind of an agenda of what, you know, what homework stuff's coming up. I don't know what groceries might need to be bought soon. Um, the dog has a vet appointment.
1: You know, whatever kind of household stuff we each needed to know about, and so um, I guess that's a whole thing too. Like your your financial things. Like who is buying the groceries? Like who who is taking care of the dog? I mean, you know, it's interesting because traditionally. A lot of logistical stuff falls on women's shoulders, like women just moms take it on just by assumption. And, and men don't question that assumption either, you know. And, and so but in this situation, I, I imagine, you know, you're examining everything. And so did that shift your roles or how did that go? It definitely did, especially at first. Because we were really
0: um, trying to keep very strict boundaries on, you know, if it was Bill's parenting time, I wasn't coming in and helping the kids with homework, you know, he was it was all on him. And then when it was my turn, you know, if the sink blocked up, you know, I had to call the plumber and, and deal with it because he was, you know, focused on work. It was his time out of the house. And we were pretty we were very we I mean, not mean about it, but we were pretty strict, like, well, it's your time there. You know, you, <laughs> you need to figure it out um, over time. We mellowed a lot on that, started, you know, going back to the things that I like to do what he likes to do, or he's better at, or I'm better at, which in our case tend to be the more traditional. I like to, I actually like to do laundry and grocery shop. And because I was a freelance writer, I have a much more flexible schedule than he does. So I could do a parent-teacher meeting in the middle of the day if he had, you know, me get out of. Um, so even if it was his day with the kids we became much more flexible and just helping each other out, whatever is helpful to the kids. But I do think that that period of time where we were pretty strict about each needing to know how to do everything um, was good for both of us to gain some appreciation of, you know, what the other person does. Um, And, you know, Bill realized like with three kids, laundry is a big part of your life.
1: (laughs) And I don't think he knew that before. (laughs) It must have been some ways like very satisfying to be like, that's your job now. Have fun, honey. But uh but eventually we kind of mellowed on that stuff and uh
0: but I think it was a good experience for both of us for sure.
1: It sounds like you guys are co-parenting pretty well and getting along pretty well up until this day. it sounds like he's kind of a, a friend now to you.
0: Yes, for sure. And you know, I say this um about nesting that I feel it actually made us get along better than if we had as opposed to if we'd done a traditional approach of just dropping the kids off in the driveway or something that we really had to we were forced to interact more with each other and it was challenging at times um at first especially but over time I think it um really brought us to a place of just being better friends and you know, getting back to the things that we like about each other without any of the romantic marriage stuff getting in the way. And I really think that, um, it's set a great example for our kids, whether they appreciate it or not, but, um, that sometimes, you know, you really can't kind of repair a relationship with somebody or you can change a situation to make it better for yourself and help the other person. and And I think they've seen that. With
1: us, whether they recognize it or not. That's so cool. That's so cool. Okay, so what did, I'm just curious, you know, what did your friends and your family think about all this? Where, did you have any objectors who were like, what are you doing? Don't do th- <laughs> um It was more confusion, I think. That You don't know what he was
0: particularly, like, mean about it, but there were definitely, especially with people who didn't know us very well, um, you know, more like acquaintance of, so like, you're doing what? <laughs> I thought you were getting divorced. And then certainly, you know, kind of older family members who were particularly entrenched in the old idea of divorce of, you know, that person being out of your life. Well, you're still going to do a birthday party with him. You're still going to have Thanksgiving together, but you're divorced. Why would you do that? You know, and, and we would just keep saying, well, it's, you know, it's for the kids. Like we're not doing this to try and get back together. You had to kind of clarify that to people that you're certainly not doing it because you want to get it back together or you're doing it for the kids um but i'd say overall people were really very supportive and complimentary you know like it i'd say overall i got very good um supportive caring comments from people about it that made us feel like okay this is other people think this is a good idea too so that's really nice to hear
1: that's so cool I just think the whole thing seems so nice and it could be something that you do as long as eight years. And maybe it's something you just you try for, you know, uh, a little while and see if that that works for you. I mean, is there is there something are there people do you think for whom this is like not a good option?
0: Nesting? Well, certainly, you know, if, um, if you can't trust the other person at all, you know, or if there's issues of you know, drug abuse or other types of abuse. Then you shouldn't be considering it Um, you do need to know that the other person can parent fine on their own they may not parent you know exactly to your standards that's something you kind of have to let go of a bit but if you feel that your children are safe and feel loved with them if there's not any danger you know then that's then it's worth pursuing but certainly if there are um really dark issues like that i also suggest in my book that um If you're thinking of doing it because you want to use it to get back with your, you know, with your ex, that I don't think that's fair to the kids um, or to either you or your ex. You know, you need to really be certain you're doing it for the kids, not to try and get something for yourself out of it um, romantically or whatever. So those are kind of the red flag things that I think would say you should avoid it. But I think a lot of people think, oh, just because they're mad at their ex, you know, oh, we're very contentious. They can't imagine it working. But um, I've talked to a number of people who really set it up kind of as we did in the beginning where it's very clear cut. No, you weren't, we didn't interact with each other much. And the way we communicated was very well defined so that we weren't, you know, constantly calling each other or texting like it was, we had to put some boundaries on that at first. And so I think even if you are really mad at your ex, if you. You still could pursue nesting if you think it's going to be good for your kids. And if you just really think about what sort of boundaries you each need to have in your interactions with each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could be mad at that person, but if you can trust that person to not leave the house trashed or your kids like completely, you know, whatever, you know, what I mean, if they're if they're, you can trust that person to be a responsible person in general, then maybe it might be pers- worth pursuing anyway. I mean, I guess I imagine if kids were going a vote in the whole thing, that's what they'd want. That's what I mean. I imagine like if they could just like stay in their house and have mom and dad moving out. I think that would probably be what they might want.
0: Yeah, that's really struck me talking to people, you know, my age or other adults who had a traditional divorce. You know, they're really um, kind of emotional reactions to when they hear about this. You know that, oh, gosh, I wish my parents would have tried that or. They still, you know, they may be 40 years old, but they still remember the day they had to move out of their family home, you know, when they were age and how traumatic that was. And um, that stuff really stays with kids, you know, forever, I think. And so, yeah, if we can try and kind of break the cycle of it always being the kids whose wives get blown up by divorce, um, whether it's with nesting or just a more gentle approach overall, I
1: think that would be great. I love that idea. Break the cycle of being the kids kids lives who are blown up. Yeah. Well, Beth, it's been so lovely to talk to you. I think this is such a cool concept. I'm so glad that you wrote this book. It's a step-by-step guide nesting after divorce and um I think this is just going to be so helpful for people because I know so many people are wanting to just, you know, you just may not a um, relationship may not be going for it and be what you wished it would be and so you know there it's how to do that in a conscious way that's you know less harmful for everybody like yeah this is this seems like a really great great idea i'm so glad you shared this all it's really great well thank you so much
0: i'm so glad to be able to share the idea with people and um yeah hopefully you know promote some more peace in the world one way or another
1: Awesome. Well, um, and where can people find out more about you if they want to reach out? Familynesting.org is
0: my primary website about nesting, and it has information about the book and um, blog posts I've written over the years, and articles I've written too. So, you know, they can find there. There's a video of my ex and me speaking speaking about our experiences, um, and the kids as well. So that's a good place to start. Um, I have a Facebook group as well. And then I'm on TikTok and Instagram. and So you can look for Beth Barrett on those places. But that's all linked from thefamilynesting.org.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you for sharing your story. And um, I just think it's fabulous. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all the good work you're doing in the world. And uh, thanks for this opportunity.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Isn't messaging such a cool idea? I think it's really neat if that works out for, you know, people and their families. Very cool. So listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other over 400 episodes now, it's bananas, right? Oh, my gosh. Please do leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't take long. You can do it right in the app where you're listening to this. And I want to thank She Who Rides Far, for your five-star review. Thank you so much. They wrote, simply amazing. Hunter gets it and me. She covers so many great topics to keep it fresh and digs into modern questions I can't quite get guidance on from the previous generations. Thank you so much, She Who Rides Far. I really, really appreciate it because this is such a powerful way to support the podcast. Thank you. So listen, if you love this episode or the other episodes, please do that. Let me know, though. You can share on your Instagram stories and tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. Love to say hi to you there. Um, and yeah, and that's it. I hope this episode has been helpful for you. I hope it helps kids and families everywhere. And I'm wishing you a great week. I hope you have some fun in your week. I hope you have some compassion for yourself and your family and kids because it's hard to be human for all of us. And I wish you a great week, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back with you next week. Namaste.
3: I'd say definitely
0: do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better